Welcome to Gimme Some Truth. I'm Kevin Castro, your podcast producer, and your hosts are Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, and Jonathan Jordan of Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. This podcast series is dedicated to illuminating some of the darkness around conflicts of interest and motivations in the financial planning industry, as well as current events and investment concepts. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. Today we're going to be talking about the close of 2017, um, start of 2018. We'll do a little recap on kind of what happened and more specifically um, kind of the the uh, feeling that clients uh, either had or should have had about 2017. So less about percentage rate of returns and more about feelings. Are we going to talk about feelings? Yeah, we are going to talk That's about awesome. feelings. Today. That's great. Yeah. Well, we talked last year about our last uh, podcast about the fear of missing out, FOMO, and now no one's missed out on these rates of return. Everyone's participated. It's been a nice year. Yeah, the uh the, the kind of the theme of 17 was pretty much everything went up. And that's normal, right? Yeah, every year. That's what happens. You just put your money in and it just goes up and it's it's awesome. Right. That's how this all works. And it's guaranteed. Gary, <laughs> okay, I'm the chief <laughs> compliance officer. For full disclosure, there is no such thing as a guaranteed rate of return, and it never happens, and uh, we can't say that. And former ever. rates of return are not indicative of future rates of return. That's either. right. That's right. As long as you feel like it went up, that's what matters, right? <laughs> as long as I felt like it went up. I don't know. If I look at my bank account, I know whether it's up or down, right? Yeah, that is true. So in all seriousness, the, uh, the year of 2017 was very... Um, it was interesting in a lot of ways. Uh, it, it had a uh, lack of volatility that uh, almost, in a way, um, helped people to solidify in their minds a misconception that 2017's lack of volatility is the way the market is supposed to work or normal. Uh, we know that not to be the case, though. I would like to call that placid. It was a very placid year where it was just... Placid? That's right. Placid. P-L-A-C-I-D, right? Just like your smooth sailing, it's, Kevin it's like a word. <laughs> Kevin, it is a Kevin, word. Kevin it, is, it is a word. I know it's a word. You describe. You did. I did not Google that. Uh, placid is like on lakes where you just kind of sit there and it just nothing moves and it's just. I'm kind aware of that there's a lake placid. There was an Olympics there. I get that. I don't know that. There's there's also I'm a, looking this up. Dictionary.com. <laughs> the, the, ama- the amazing thing about that though is that for as placid as it was, it was like the water rose. You know, so everybody looks back, and last year, I, I would venture to say, and I don't know this to be an exact stat, but we, we probably had more market highs last year than we've ever had for daily highs because the market would go up a little bit every every couple of days, and every time it goes higher, it would be the all-time high. And then it would come back down a little bit, and then it would go back up. But getting you know getting so used to that and not having the volatility involved with it is why it still felt like it was very calm exactly right now just for those uh placid is an adjective um and it says calm and peaceful with little movement or activity the placid waters of a small lake synonyms quiet calm tranquil still peaceful undisturbed restful wikipedia is not a a, a, a 
dictionary.com type reference. So when, when I when I was thinking back and talking to my my clients that you know even before I made the transition over here in 2017, which uh, which was not a placid experience. It was a, it was a great and fun experience. But as as I was having conversations with them throughout the year, we would talk about you know what are our expectations not just for this year but moving forward, and and looking at how volatility works and why it's actually important for investments and for the market. And 2017 was a unique year in investing because without having that volatility, there weren't as many pullbacks. Sometimes when you have a diversified portfolio, you almost need those pullbacks. You almost need to have a period of time where the market corrects itself. So historically, it corrects itself once a year, you know, on average. And, and last year, we did not really see a market correction. But no. we. I mean, we barely even saw a 5% peak to trough you know, uh, and so it was, it was extremely, it was extremely easy year, actually. Uh, I always joke with the clients that come in and I say, you know, if, if every year was like 2017, no one would ever hire a financial advisor, right? I mean, um, so it's just, it's just an oddity. I would put it on a, a good year. I mean, we're all high-fiving and, you know, it's a great year and, um, you know, people have been very satisfied with their rates of return overall, just with looking at what the equity markets have done. But overall, I mean, uh, I would say that this is a just a unique year. I mean, I've, I've been doing this for 16 years and I haven't seen a year really like this uh, ever. So don't get used to it. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the kind of the theme of the podcast. I mean, obviously, we're having having some fun here. But really, at the end of the day, what we're the message we're trying to convey is that um, 2017, first of all, was a fantastic year. Uh, it wasn't a good year. It wasn't a great year. It was a fantastic year. And there's a reason why you don't see it on news headlines and you don't see it um, in newspapers stated that way. It's just because that's not how it works. They, they never talk about up markets in that way. Shocking that when the market's down 20 or 25%, that's all you hear about, read about, and see. So the, the first kind of point that we want to drive home here is that um, 2017, from a performance standpoint and from a volatility standpoint and from kind of a, a uh, market news standpoint, is about as good of a year as you're possibly going to get. And I don't know that a lot of people realize that it's that good. I think people thought that it was a good year, but I don't know that everybody realized that it was one of the best years in, in recent memory by way of low volatility, high rates of return, and very little news that kind of jarred the market. There's a lot of news every day, but it just didn't seem to have any impact on it. You know, that's especially politically. I mean, every single day there's new stuff coming out. And, you know, it seemed like a really volatile year when we talk about uh, politics and policy and all of that. But from from a pure economic standpoint, it's been quite good. Yeah, there was not a lot of economic news. I think that, that you, we didn't have runaway oil prices. We didn't have... Um, you know, trade deficits weren't in the news all the time. It was an interesting year. A lot of the news that we heard was obviously politically driven. There wasn't a great deal of economic news, or not maybe not news. Maybe not, there wasn't a lot of economic kind of shock, shocking news uh, that we generally get um, just through the, the the regular kind of market um, course of a year. Uh, we we didn't seem to have a lot of that. Well, what generates clicks, right? So right, right. now, it's the whole political right. environment generates clicks and. And, uh, you know, some other sort of social things as well um, entered the news and economics kind of went on the back burner because stuff was just good. And good doesn't sell. Good doesn't make people click. Right. Exactly. And I think that that's what was so interesting was that literally every sector was up. Domestic was up. International was up. Emerging was up. I mean, you almost had to search hard to find something that wasn't up. And that that in and of itself is, is, uh, is very atypical. 
Definitely every, every asset class being up was important because when you have a diversified portfolio, you need different parts of your portfolio growing. And sometimes other parts are not growing during that time period. And it's an opportunity for you to rebalance and capture, you know, the, the, the sale price essentially of what an asset class can offer you and the investments and the companies that are in that, or whether it's fixed income, um, to be able to make sure that your overall risk matches what your long-term goal is. And if someone were to say to me, Hey, it's 2018. What do you think the market's going to do this year? My response would, I could give you both. I could give you the, I think the market's going to go down or I think the market's going to go up and I may or may not be right based on different feelings. But historically you go back and look the last time I remember, um, 2007 having some, a time like this in a year, 2008 came and, and that's when, when everything's placid and calm. But suddenly when you start logging in and checking, whether it's, you know, CNN.com or, or, you know, MSNBC or Fox news or wherever you get your news from, and you see pictures on the front page of the New York stock exchange and people with their hands over their faces and their mouths agape and the market's just dropping precipitously. You know, it's, it, it elicits emotions in us to think, oh, my gosh, the sky's falling. We're going to see those again at some point. We're going to see those pictures and capture that. And we have to go pay attention to history and what is actually happening during those time periods. And as investors, understand that that those are opportunities. They're, they're not times to fear. Just like last year is not a time to say, oh, I should go and change everything and take more risk now because 2017 was such a great year. Now is the time I feel real comfortable to go to the table and take a bunch more risk. I think we are hearing that a little bit more often from our clients. I think it's safe to say that, you know, should I take more risk? Should I take more risk? And I, I don't know if now is the right time to do that. I mean, the market might run another 20% up. Um, I don't know. I, you know, it could also turn around and go, and go down by 20% starting tomorrow. So, uh, you know, I think that, you know, being diversified and, you know, all the different tenants and principles that we've we've told people over the years stay true. I think now is the time where it kind of tests your resolve because you see these really nice rates of return in your portfolio. You probably didn't match the Dow or the S&P 500 if you had a um, you know, diversified portfolio, you probably didn't match that rate of return. You go, well, how do I get that? Well, you just, you know, take a lot more risk and, you know, put it all on red and do the exact opposite of kind of what we say. Um, so, you know, it's one of those situations where we got to be measured and careful and not try to chase returns in this environment, uh, particularly because, uh, you know, I think we'll see an increase on people wanting to just get more technology heavy and want all those, you know, the fang names, you know, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, you know, all of those, they, they kind of gravitate towards those and just, you know, they're really trying to get more and more concentrated in their portfolios in many cases. And that's where we have to caution people and take a step back. Yeah, it's, it's a, a time when we kind of harken back to the concepts of, um, of Thaler and, and behavioral economics, because, um, that that's ultimately what we're seeing right now. The the feeling of trying to get more risky when the market has has appreciated as much as it has, is a is a telltale sign of 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 uh, kind of behavioral economics and and how people can kind of get themselves into trouble. Um, and this is kind of what they study now, uh, even more so in certain in certain cases than than empirical data or um, kind of finance theory is kind of the behavior of how people invest and why they behave why they invest in a certain way and why they behave in a certain way. And so. Um, our caution is a little bit more of saying, you know, if you're feeling like you want to get more risky right now, that's not an uncommon feeling, but be aware that that's maybe not the correct uh, decision that we should be making in investments. Um, it's not a time for caution necessarily, but it is a time to realize that um, just because the market has run up as far as it has does not mean it's going to continue to run up. 
And it also means that we should be very careful about setting a high watermark in our portfolios and kind of tying ourselves or anchoring ourselves to that mark. Uh, Clint, talk a little bit about um, kind of what that means and, and why that's a, a really bad idea for people to do. Yeah, I mean, people like to set arbitrary amounts for their portfolio or arbitrary amounts for certain individual securities and say, okay, well, you know, if I can only get over this certain benchmark, um, and a lot of for a lot of our clients, those are big benchmarks. You know, it's two hundred fifty thousand, five hundred thousand, one million, two million dollars, and they don't want to see their assets go below that because they actually get. Uh, feel some trepidation when it when it does drop below that mark, or they want to hit that mark and and they check that box on that goal. Well, you know, the next day it could be below that. If you have a five hundred thousand dollar portfolio and you hit that benchmark, um, unless you're gonna, uh, you know, pass away the next day and you've hit that goal, it's just a number today. And tomorrow it could be worth four hundred thousand, or it could be worth six hundred thousand. And um, the number doesn't mean anything. It's what your financial plan dictates. The number has to be for you to live a certain lifestyle or to hit your financial freedom point. So, you know, it's really not important to have that number and you shouldn't anchor any of your investment decisions based around any sort of anchor. You know, if you're any sort of round number, it's really meaningless. I think that's a great point too, that when you look at the actual numbers, a lot of times we're trained to look at the number on the right-hand side of our statements, which is the value. But every single day, you know, there's there's somebody screaming, this value, your, your investments that you have. But if you have 100 shares of Apple... You know, Apple, if it was trading at $170 or Apple is trading at $140, if you look on your statement and you have 100 shares of Apple, you have 100 shares of a really good investment. And and the question is, if it goes down to 140, is it not time to pick up a couple more shares if it was 170? And that if it's a good investment, you would want to pick it up. But we're so trained sometimes to look over at that right-hand side column and see what it's worth today. But the truth is, that's just a value that if you sold it today is what it's worth. And it's similar to like your house. If someone says, oh, my house is worth, you know, $400,000, it's really only worth the price that someone's willing to pay you the day that you're wanting to sell it. So that's the true value of the house. So you can give it an estimated value, but you own the house. It's the same as the shares of a good investment. So focus more on the, on the, the number of shares of good investments that you have and try to keep accumulating shares of those through dividend reinvestment or putting more money away towards your goals. Yeah, I think so, that's a, sorry, that's, that, I think that's a great point. I think the house analogy works really, really well. It's one that we use in 08 and 09 a lot for people, and I think the problem with the market in some cases is that people's portfolios are valued every second, minute, hour, day, and you can look at it and see. So think about it this way. If your house was valued every single day, so the value of your home changed and you knew exactly what the value of your home was every single day, right? So it's the same as, a, as, a, as your brokerage statement. So if, if your brokerage statement falls by 10 or 15%, what do we hear from clients? Well, should we sell? Should we move? Should we do something different? So when 08 and 09 happened, we would ask people, okay, well, if you want to sell your investments, I'm assuming you want to sell your house too. And they would say, well, no, what are you talking about? And we'd say, well, your house has fallen in value 10 or 15%. So if you're using the same logic, why aren't you selling your house as well? And they'd say, well, that's crazy. Well, it's really not. It's, it's, it's a very similar analogy. And so if we're using logic to say, because one asset class is falling or my brokerage account is falling, so therefore I want to sell out of it, we have to be careful to understand that that logic can be used for all of the other investments in our life. And if it doesn't make sense for your house, why would it make sense for your, your brokerage account? Yeah. And I mean, time frame's so important there. People don't turn over their houses very quickly. So that's part of the reason why people hold their houses so long is they, you know, it's a pain to move, right? Well, the problem with stocks is that you can click a button and it can be gone like that 
all of a sudden you can just be rid of a position. And so for people, for people like my dad, that's bad. Um, well, where he likes to, but by the way, there's no, uh, we're not saying that you should buy Apple or not buy Apple. So I'll say that as a disclosure. That was just an example. But I would also say that, you know, my dad buys something, you know, he goes out and he buys like Under Armour stock or something like that. And then he buys it a certain amount and invariably it goes down 20% and then he sells it. And I, I say, dad, what are you doing? He's a terrible stock investor, by the way. And, and, and so he just says, well, you know, it was going down. So I sold it. I just dumped it. I'm like, well, do you still like Under Armour? Well, yeah, I still like Under Armour. You know, it's great. They got all kinds of stuff. I really believe in their company. Well, what changed? The stock price got down a little bit lower. Why didn't you just wait it out? And it's because people, you know, people say that they're long-term investors, but in certain cases, they're absolutely not long-term investors. He's a gambler. He's a speculator in that investment uh, example. So, you know, I think that taking your own situation and, and extrapolating over, okay, you know, why would you sell in your investment right now? Because it's down 20 or 25%. They're all good investments. You know, you, you're well balanced, you're well diversified, you just hold. And in pretty much every case over long time frames, uh, you know, that, that strategy benefits you. You know, your dad comes up a lot in these podcasts. <laughs> I was just thinking maybe we should have him in as a guest someday. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? To have I don't know if he'll ever admit to you that he's a terrible, you know, stock investor, but I'm you looking know. forward to meeting him. And he, would, he, would he be like a guest stock picker that well, day? No, I, he, no, he would just, he'd be, he'd be just a guest. No, we, no, God, no. We wouldn't let him do that. No, I mean, it would just be fun to have him like on the podcast and just kind of talk about, you know, all of the things that makes makes him Tommy, you know, and, and why why does he sell and why does he do. And it's funny because we kind of make light of it, but and, and more oftentimes than we'd like to admit, we see that behavior happen with uh, not just our friends and family, but with people that have... Uh, you know, millions of dollars of investments and are 100% uh, dead serious about what they're doing, we see the same behavior. And it's, it's just, uh, it's unfortunate because it doesn't, that, that behavior doesn't seem to discriminate whether it be a new investor, an old investor, or a good investor, or a bad investor. It seems to permeate through just about every investor. Maybe I, I got an idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my dad, you know, like it's old school idea. I'm going to have my dad set up his own 1-800 number and it's going to be Tommy's white hot stock picks. And he's just going to leave a new idea every single day. We're going to get a record number of calls for <laughs> shorting stocks. <laughs> stocks. Exactly. It'd be a wise strategy. All the hedge funds would be right on it. <laughs> Well, you know, as we talk about, you know, how great 2017 was too, and 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 we and the, all these different things that we can do behaviorally and in, in investments. You know, I always say the best time to sell a good investment is never. It's a good investment, and if it's a good investment, it goes down. We probably want to buy a little bit more um, if you believe in it. But if you don't believe in it anymore and it's no longer a good investment, well, it's okay to sell because it's not a good investment. So ultimately, we want to try and accumulate up the right amount, the right mix, so that you're diversified. And there's three different ways a market can go. 2018, it, it's either going to go up or it's going to go down or it's going to go sideways. And here at Walkner Condon and the way that I've, I've done it before I came here and now that I'm partners with you guys, I mean, we've, we've always preached diversification and having a risk-adjusted portfolio to what your goals are and what your risk tolerance is. And the reason why we do that is ultimately we're going to have a move and we're going to be able to make adjustments and take advantage of any market cycle whether it's flat, whether it's up, or whether it's down. So that's what, you know, for our clients, we want to make sure they know that, is that if we do suddenly see a market correction, that we're ready for that in the way we have the portfolios positioned for clients. And we're more than willing to sit down and talk about it. And that, that's, I think, the, the uh, mistake that a lot of people make when, when the market does start to get choppy, it starts to get scary, it starts to 
look like it's going to fall just precipitously and, and never uh, level back out. Um, we, we encourage clients to see your advisor, go talk to your advisor, get that um, kind of a um, pep talk or, or uh, kind of get, get on the same page with the advisor in terms of what's going on. Because while, while the advisor's job is not to make a portfolio go up or down, we can't do that. If we could do that, we'd obviously all be on beaches and not doing what we're doing right now. Uh, but what we can do is kind of show some um, logic and kind of reason as to why the portfolio is built the way it's built, why it's taking the risk that it's taking, and whether or not that's appropriate for where the investor is at the time. And if all of those things are in alignment, then it is more about just kind of letting the market do what it does and and understanding that it's up more than it's down historically, so therefore it works. So uh, really the, the the theme of the podcast, what we hope you walk away from uh, the, the um, uh, discussion we had this morning was 2017 was a fantastic year, really, really solid year for um, just about every investor out there. Uh, for a lot of investors, they beat their target rate of return. And so we have, quote, a little bit of money in the bank for the next time the market does fall. Uh, when that happens, which very well might be an 18, we're not predicting that, but as, as everybody knows, we're um, cognizant to the fact that the market can take a, a quick turn. We think 18 is going to be um, a, a solid year, but again, we don't know. So when that happens and you're starting to feel that trepidation before you do something rash, before you actually take action or um, you know, act on behavior, absolutely come and talk to us, sit down, let's go through it uh, and make sure that we're all on the same page because at the end of the day, um, you know, your goals are our goals and that's the most important thing for us. Thanks a lot for, for listening and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Advisory services are offered through Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Wachner and Nate Condon are investment advisor representatives of Wachner Condon. Kevin Castro is an office manager and marketing communications specialist for Wachner Condon Financial Advisors. He is not registered, and his participation in this podcast is limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments he makes be construed as giving investment advice. Insurance products and services are offered through WC Insurance Services, LLC, Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, and WC Insurance Services, LLC, are affiliated companies. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any of the securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Wachner Condon Financial Advisors LLC is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizons. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Wachner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not promise or guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see wachnercondon.com for additional disclosures.